All right, today's scripture reading is from Romans chapter 12. If you don't have a Bible, please raise your hand. Welcome team can get you a Bible. If you have your Bible, please open to Romans chapter 12. We'll be finishing up our last uh, message for this sermon series, Redeem the Screen. So Romans chapter 12, stick out our Bibles, and let's be present with the Lord as he speaks to us today, okay? Romans chapter 12, verse 14. I don't see a lot of Bibles out, so I'm going to wait till everyone open up their Bibles. Hear your high boys, especially back there. Romans chapter 12, verse 14 to 21. All right. Here's what it says. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as this depends on you, live peacefully with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. And for by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. And Lord, help us to be attentive to your word. Help us this morning to treasure your word like honey like silver, like gold. Because your word says that is better than honey, better than silver, and better than gold. So Lord, help us to be present with you as you are being present with us right now. And Lord, I believe every person that's brought here today are here because of you. You orchestrate each one of us to be here, to be at your feet and hear your word. So be with me, God. I speak uh, through my vocal cord, which is uh, sore. Lord, uh, I pray that you give me strength to speak, speak through our mind. Help us to listen to the things you want us to listen to. Lord, may, may the thoughts and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing to you. Give us strength and sensitivity to your Holy Spirit. Speak, Lord. We want to listen. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So as we've been preaching through other series, Redeem the Screen, um, one of the crazy things is I, I sense how God actually sensitized my own spirit to how much I use the phone. And in fact, everywhere I go, I start noticing people's dependency on the phone. Uh, a couple of days ago, I was eating at Phoenix, the restaurant, and I was there by myself. I walked in pretty early. There were no table, uh, maybe one more table there, and the rest of the tables uh, starting to get filled up. I think when I was there the whole time, there would be six tables in the whole restaurant. And as I'm looking around, there may be a handful, maybe 20 or so people in the, in the restaurant. Literally, every one of those people are holding a device, a phone, or iPad, and they're all looking down. And they're not all eating by themselves either. Right? Remember this past week, our challenge was to disconnect from phones and iPads and screens during our mealtime. And as I was looking the entire time I was having lunch there, I was surprised how little the people actually lift their heads above their screens, and actually enjoy the company that they have. I ha- I saw one family with no, no judgment at all, uh, but the, the son was literally looking at the screen and talking to the dad, 
and her dad was looking at the screen the whole time, telling him to go back on the screen to watch, watch whatever he was watching. You know, you would think, like, man, what kind of parent is that? But that is just a part of our lives. And hopefully by this time, we've been talking so much about our usage of screen that you've been convicted. I don't know, maybe, maybe you're a really good steward of the screen. But for me, at least I feel super convicted of how dependent I am on screens, on, on phones. It almost become a second nature thing that I literally physically feel the urge to always want to take on my phone. Even at that restaurant that afternoon, I was looking at everybody having a screen. I was thinking maybe what I can just take out my own phone and start reading it, start looking at it, start replying emails and texting people that I need to text. There's this urge, this innate urge of me just want to take out and touch my phone. And uh, I hope that this has been something that's been helpful for you this series. Uh, we've been talking a lot about uh, how best to use our phone. Just a quick review, right? Two weeks ago, we talked about how we use our phone actually can be an act of worship to God. That it is not a me thing. It's not a personal preference thing. It is not a, 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 um, a choice thing. But how we use our phones actually matters to God. Because it is an act of worship to God in every area of our lives, and particularly one that we use all the time. What we watch, how we use it, how much we use it is a vertical act of worship toward God. And that's what we're, we, we talked about the first week. And uh, in our small group, in junior high boys, two weeks, uh, last week, we were just really ch- charting out how much time we use our phone. And to their credit, they were super honest. They were super honest how much time they actually use your phone. And even after that discussion, they say that probably they use more than what they even put down on the paper or on the board. And I believe that's true for many of us, right? And so last week we talked about not only does our usage of phone and screens as a vertical thing, our worship to God, but it actually matters to our horizontal relationship with one another. That when we are so into our screens, sometimes while it's called social media, it actually makes us to be anti-social. That we talked about we're physical beings that require physical attention, physical being together. And that's what we lack a lot of times when we are focusing on the screens. And I want to remind us before we go into today's sermon, the last, uh, last of a series is that the whole point of doing this is not to guilt you. The whole point of doing this is not to make you feel guilty or make you feel fearful of using the phone. Because we realize from the very get-go for this series is that guilt won't change a thing. You might feel guilty for a little bit, but over a long period of time, you're going to stop feeling guilty. You're going to desensitize to the guilt that you feel. And so as such, we don't want you to feel guilty or fearful of your screen. But what we really want you to see is that God has something better. For us to use our screen. God wants us to use our screen in a better way. Not just for him. Not just for other people. But really for us. As believers. That this gift of technology and screen is meant for good. Okay. So that's what we're going to do today. We're gonna, as we wrap this up. I want to give us a metaphor. I actually thought about bringing this thing in. But uh, I, it's too bulky. The metaphor I want to give you today. As we wrap up and talking about our screens. Is this thing called door. I actually thought about bringing a real door right here, but I realized we have communion today, so having a door here is not going to work. The reason why I want to talk about the door is this. We are around doors all the time. Look around the room here. There are three doors just in this room. We're around doors. We open them. We close them. We walk through them. 
And oftentimes we'll go through doors we don't even know. We'll walk through and walk into a door and we don't even know. And just like screens, when you came to church today, you probably have walked out and walked into through doors many times. You probably got up this morning, out of your bedroom, there's a door. Depending on your house layout, you probably went to the kitchen, maybe there's a door. By the time you get out of the house, you get out your main door. If you have a garage, you go through the garage door. When you come to church, you went through the door through the gate, your car door, your classroom door, and even entering here, there is a door. Doors everywhere in our lives. And you know what I realized? Doors is just kind of like screen. We don't notice it many times, but when there isn't one, you realize it right away. Right? Think about it. Imagine today you go home. After church, you went home. There's no door in your front door. Like, I guarantee you'll find out right away. You'll be like, oh, something missing. I didn't realize I, I, we don't have a door in our house. You will notice right away when you don't have a door. And the same way for your screens, right, for my screen. When I don't have my phone with me, something is missing. Like, I feel like a part of me is just gone. How come I don't have my phone with me? It feels so natural to have it. And when we don't have it, we realize it right away. I don't, ever, I don't know if you ever think about what's the purpose of a door. Why do we have doors? I believe there are two reasons for a door, two functions of a door. One is this. A door closes to keep things away, right? You close a door to keep things out of wherever you're at. That's one function. We keep things away. Um, I never realized how much I care about a closed door until a couple years ago. Uh, my family went to Colorado for, for vacation. And in the middle of our vacation, someone called us. In fact, it's the alarm company that called us. And they said, oh, someone was uh, trying to, the alarm went off. Was someone was trying to break in through the window or trying to break in through the door. And so it set off the alarm. And I'm like miles and miles away from, from home. And I just remember getting that call feeling like someone's actually going to break inside my house. I feel so violated. Like, I ended up they didn't break it. The, the, the police, uh, the, the alarm company came, and no, nothing actually happened. But the fact that someone actually want to go through my door, break my door, break my window to get inside my house, that feeling of being violated, I never felt like that. I, then I realized there is actually a purpose for a door. I mean, cognitively, we all know a door is supposed to keep things away. But really, that's why we have doors to keep bad things away. Evil things, or evil person away. But that's not the only reason, right? The only reason why we have doors. Doors also serve a second purpose. A door opens to bring us to some place that we need to be. Think about it. Every time you open the door, you're entering into a new environment. You open this door, where do we go? To the parking lot. You open that door, where do you go? To the kitchen or to the restroom. You, every time you open a door, you're being led or you're leading someone to go to a different environment. And that's what I want to talk about today. As we wrap up talking about cell phone usage, screen usage, I think we need to start thinking uh, through this metaphor. Every time we use our screens, it's like we're opening up a door or closing a door. Either you are closing it from something to enter into your life or you're opening to lead someone into something else. Every time we use our phone, you have two choices. A door is either open or closed. And there is something that God is calling us to close our doors uh, through our use of screens, through our use of phones. And there is something that God is calling us to open to, not just for you, 
They're really for others. So that's what we're going to look at today. So if you, again, go back to Romans chapter 12. We're going to take a look here. If screens are like door, here's what you need to realize. How we use our screens is how we open or close that door. In Romans chapter 12, here's what it says. One of the use that we can use, if you read through this text through uh, um, the metaphor of door, God is, uh, how we use our screens should keep us away from evil things. Go to verse 9. Very clearly, here's what it says. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. And then you run down to verse 21, it says this, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. What's the most obvious things that we need to keep from? We need to close our door to? If you read through these two verses, through a metaphor door, basically what it says is this. Paul saying, close the door to what is evil. Don't close that door. Don't let evil things come into your life. Close it. Don't let it come in. Many of you have been to our house. Uh, if you haven't, we'll invite you someday. But you've been to our house. Um, if you go to our kitchen, we actually have a side door to the hall, uh, to the side of our house, next to our kitchen. That is one of the doors that we, clo- we leave open the least. We open the door to the main entrance all the time because we go in and out. People come in. But the door next to our kitchen is a door that we close almost all the time. The only time we open it is when we want to take trash out, we want to dump the trash. And what, even when we open it, we close it quickly. And you can understand why, right? For, for our family, we have a lot of trash. We have a lot of people in our house, and a lot of people come to our house. Even in Tumble City, we take our trash out twice a week. They get tr- cleared out. We can, on some days, pile up trash like Mount Rushmore. We have piles them out. We have four trash cans. I don't know how. Somehow, they just climb into my trash can and just go pile up high. And what happened is... Our kitchen is right next to that side door. And every time when the, pile, the piles of trash are all filled up, when we open the door, there are always going to be flies. And now flies will fly in, and so we always quickly close. And even if there's no flies, there's this smell of spoiled food, nasty stuff that is in the trash. Every time we open that door, we don't close it right away. Now, I'm not the best cook in the world. But I would say I'm a pretty decent cook. No matter how good of a cook I am, even if there is trash right there, I can cook the best smelling food there is with the trash right next to it. That food won't taste good. Half of your taste, but half of your taste comes from your smell. Right? So if there's trash right there, whatever food that I'm offering to you, you don't want to eat in the food. Oh, by the way, I don't know why there's no one sitting right here in the front row today that I put a trash can in here. Only Jacob is daring enough to come in here and put, sit right up here. Thank God this trash can is cleared out. There's actually no trash in there. But, but let me, let's say if I fill this up and actually smell it, most of you would not sit there because it just doesn't make sense. It is trash. It is dirty. You don't want to eat right next to it. You don't want to do anything with it. The only thing that trash can should go is what? Outside and get it dumped somewhere. But I believe that's the same thing with us in our lives. I think with our screens, we talked about how last week that there are a whole lot of things that are not to the heart of God in this world. And we know that screens give us the ability to get those things quickly. We have access to things that, that we, we shouldn't have access to. And a lot of times what happens is we underestimate the evil that's existing on the Internet, the, the, the evil that exists in the games that we played, and the things that we know that we shouldn't consume, but what, what is out there in the world. 
I think we underestimate how much stuff actually we come in contact with that is actually trash. But what happens is many times when we have the screens, we find a good enough excuse to say, well, it's not that bad. It doesn't smell that bad. It doesn't look that bad because everybody else is doing it. Here's the thing I want to challenge us. Start assuming that most of the things out there on the internet is bad until it's proven good. We tend to act the other way around. Well, someone needs to tell me that's really bad. Otherwise, I'm consuming it. You know what? Uh, I have this inter- uh, interaction with one of the kids um, at, at our, our boys' basketball team. This kid on Tuesday, he was just going berserk against the coach. The coach tell him do one thing. He did exactly the opposite thing. The coach tell him to sit on the sideline. And that kid just went on the other side. Like the coach tell him you cannot play for the rest of the day. He just started walking around in a circle. It got to the point the coach was so upset with him. Then he started talking to him, and then this kid started punching the coach. This kid has absolutely no authority, uh, no sense of authority, no sense of respect, no sense of honor. And the, pa- uh, the, the, mom act, uh, the coach ended up having to talk to the, uh, the, the mom afterwards. And as I was watching that, you know what brought to my mind? It brought to my mind, I don't, know, I don't know if this kid actually watched this or whatever, but it brought to my mind what my kids watch, what they like to watch on YouTube. They watch this show called Ryan's Toys Review. Some of you guys might know that. One of the most popular YouTube channels uh, 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 right now. Right now, over millions, they're making tons of money. And I've seen a few snippets of it. I'm ashamed that I'm telling you that my kids are watching it, but what I realized is that on that show, my kids learn how to disrespect the parents. My kids learn, let's pull a prank on dad. Well, my kids know better not to do that. But they will play, role play, let's trick mom. Let's order mom to get me a cup of milk. And then come, when she brings me a cup of milk, I say, no, I want a glass of milk. Right? On the surface, these things doesn't look that bad. Right? It's like, oh, it's just funny. Like, my kids laugh at it as if nothing. But guess what? Remember the formula that we, that we looked at uh, two weeks ago? The amount of time that you spend with the type of content that you spend determines whether you conform to the world or you're being transformed by God. And guess what happened? I was convicted watching that, that kid disrespecting this, this, uh, this, this the coach. And I realized, man, I haven't been a good parent in really curating for my kids what they watch. Because I assume what they watch is not that bad. Well, it's just a joke. It's just a show. It's kind of funny. Without realizing that they, we're teaching our kids one of the Ten Commandments, the opposite of one of the Ten Commandments, to honor your parents. And I'm not saying that I demand respect and honor for my kids because I should. But you know what happened? I, my, I share this with you is because many times we just assume what we watch is not that bad. Maybe it was a violent video game. And you're like, well, it's not that bad. It's just a game. It's not real. We can easily excuse that and say, well, it's not that violent. Or we might say, well, the rating is not that bad. But do you realize the rating that, get, that are assigned to these are determined by human beings? <laughs> do you realize the rating of movies, shows are assigned by people of this generation? That they don't necessarily abide by the law of God? Maybe we're watching something that is sexually suggestive to us. A movie, a, 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 we're looking at pictures of that. And you might excuse, well, it's not that bad. Most girls in my school dress like that. 
Right, but we can easily underestimate the amount of trash that we're consuming, and we wonder how come it doesn't bother me. Why? How is my heart so desensitized to these things of the world? When, 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 when the Bible tells us easily, when you conform to the standard of the world, you will become like the world. And so, one of the things I want to challenge us as we wrap this up is this: that we must turn and close that door. How we, we must put together things, take steps to close the door to the things that we know can be damaging to your soul, can be damaging to your relationship, and worse yet, damaging to you in your relationship to God. We must close that door. I mean, another thing I, I, I was going to bring up is this, the words and phrases that we use. Well, we can't say words that is not a curse word, but they get real close to it. I mean, I'm not that old, but I've lived long enough to know that there are some words that we just don't say, or nor, or nor do I think you would dare to say to your teacher, to your professor, to your coworker, to your boss. But because of the content that we consume, we find it easy to say those words without realizing that it is slowly conforming us to the evil of the world. And so I want to ask you, what kind of things are you consuming to these days? What do you need to start closing the door to? And what happened is, with, without some actionable steps, we would not do so. I want to share a verse with you and to kind of warn, warn us of the increasing evilness of this world. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 to 5, I'll read it to us. This was written over a thousand years ago. But it is only going to get more true as the day of Jesus will return, get closer. Here's what it says, 2 Timothy verse 3, 1 to 5. Can you go to the next slide, please? Here's what it says. Understand this. Here's Paul speaking to Timothy. That in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy. By the way, as I'm reading this, I want you to think about, do any of these terms apply to the content that you consume, the movies, shows, music that you listen to? The reading that you read. Here's a good continue. Verse 3. Heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, Swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying his power, avoid such people. And if you will let me, I will substitute that word, avoid such people, avoid such content. You see, screens makes it all so easy for us because we can hide behind it being anonymous. No one would know what we watch. No one will, will hear, oh, I need to just delete that. I don't know if you heard of this, um, uh, this, this news a couple years back. There's a, 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 a website, an appropriate website. It's called Ashley Madison. There's a website to encourage people to have an affair. The tagline is this, you only live once, have an affair. Thousands of people Men and women sign up for that website, assuming hiding behind the anonymity of that website that they will never release the information of your login. Only to find out that a hacker one day 
release all the information of people who subscribe to that website. People include pastors, professors, seminary professors, government officials, and many times we think we're hidden behind privacy law, hidden behind anonymity. And what we, what we don't realize is that at the end of the day, God does not obey, honor any privacy law. God sees all. And what you consume is not only known by God, it will be damaging to us. So here's a first, uh, just a practical thing for you. I put it on the, on the slide for you. If you find you need help with these things, what you, what you view and what you look, it's not, it's not have to do with pornography alone. It can do with any of the things that you struggle with, maybe violence and, or, or things that you need help with. These are some uh, filters that you can subscribe to. They are very, very, um, I won't say cheap, very, very, not that expensive that you can subscribe to, your parents, your family can subscribe to, that will help you to curb some of these exposure to the content. So, um, so I, if you need it, you want to take a picture of that. I, I would. If you need, uh, you want to sign up for some of these things. Talk to me afterwards. I can talk. I can help you with that as well. So that's the first thing. None of us want to sit next to trash to eat, but many of us literally is consuming trash all day long. So that's one of the reasons why we need to be careful with the use of our screens. Just like a door, we need to close our door to that. But here's another thing. When we close the door to that, we also have times we need to open the door to something that God is calling us to do. Here's what we do. The other purpose of a door is to open and invite people to a place. Here's what we need to do. When we use our screen, we should lead other people in relationship with us and ultimately to Christ. What you can use on the phone gives you the ability and opportunity to connect with people beyond just yourself, but connect people to God. Did you realize that you can talk to someone halfway around the world today by just one swipe and one click? As much as social media keep us from being social, you can actually use it to socialize, to get to close with people, to help them to be involved in a relationship with you. It's very interesting. In Romans chapter 12, this whole chapter is talking to Christians. When Paul tells the Christians to offer themselves a living sacrifice to God, a vertical act of worship, he expresses itself in a horizontal manner. Only verse 1 and 2 is about vertical. The rest of the chapter from verse 3 on to 21 is all about horizontal, about people relationship. Look at verse 5. It says he talks about being belonging to one another. That if you want to worship God, belong to the people in your church, belong to the church of God. Belong to one another. Not only that, we need to use our gifts on one another. Are you using your ability to serve one another? It talks about verse 9 to 10, to love one another. That we're called to love one another. Your social media, your screens ought to give you the platform to do more love to one another. And verse 13, Paul calls us to help one another and to show hospitality to one another. With technology, with screens, we have the ability to do something more for one another. We can open that door to engage in relation. If you come to our house, if we ever invite you to come to our house, here's what we're inviting you to do. We're inviting you into relationship with my family. See, when we bring, open that door, when you come into our house, we're not, coming, we're not inviting you to come and look at our house. We're inviting you to come to our house because we want you to be in relationship, to experience a community, which is our family, to know our family, to know us. 
That's what we're inviting you into. And every time when you have an opportunity to open up your screen, to text with your friend, to talk to your friend, you are opening up an opportunity to invite them into your life. But for many of us, we stop right there. That is the connection that we're willing to have in a service. But beyond that, God is saying that is actually the first step, not the last step. Let these means, let your text message, let your, let your TikTok, let your YouTube, let your Instagram pictures lead you to deeper relationship with one another. That people will not only know you through the posts that you have, but really know you. Better yet, the passage says, know us as a Christian. Know us as, the, as Christians, as a church. I don't think it's a surprise that God, when he first created, in Genesis chapter two, 1 and 2, the reason why he gave Adam Eve is not because he must have a wife. I believe the reason why God gave Eve, yes, he, he would need a helper. But more importantly, that he needs someone. He needs relationship with another being. Human being. That's why our God is a, 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 is a triune God. God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. From the very beginning, he said, we create a man in God's image, in the image of God. In our image, God is a relational being. You and I are made to be a physical being and a relational being. And so let our screens be an avenue to actually connect than to disconnect from one another. But more than just for you and I to connect with people, I think the ultimate purpose for, for, for our screen use ought to be so that people can experience Christ. Ultimately, people need to experience Christ. And when I say that, many of you would start thinking, well, Okay, how do I use my screen for Christ? I'm going to just keep posting verses. I'm going to keep posting, like, what we're doing at church. We're going to keep posting a good quote. I'm going to post articles of, of the gospel, articles of Christian truth. For many of us, that's what we think the social media is only for. When I do that, that means I'm inviting people to Christ. You know what Paul said in the passage that we read in 1421? Paul never mentioned about sharing the gospel. But that does not mean that Paul doesn't want us to share the gospel because in the whole book of Romans, it's about the gospel. But notice what Paul was focusing on. Paul was focusing on the church being the church. That the Christians are actually living like a church together. That there would need to be a place where people get to see what the love of God really is like. Again, I go back to the analogy that I have. If I invite, invite you to my house and you come and have dinner with us, what I'm not doing is I'm not looking and pointing a poster to you and say, look at, that's us. Look at, that's me. Look at, this, this is what described about my son. This is what, what Luke has done. I'm inviting into a conversation, into a relationship. That's when we eat and talk. We're actually getting to know one another. And I think that's what God is calling you and I to do, that we can be a display of what Christ is love like. See, no one can see God. But they can see the church. And let me say honestly here. I wonder sometimes do we really act like a church. And I don't mean the capital C out here. Because we can act like friends. We can be nice to one another. But I wonder when a non-believers come into contact with our church. Our congregation. Do they see something different? 
Or do they just see us being nice to one another? They're giving our Sunday best Friday. Kind of doing things for one another. Or is there something more? And Paul tells us in Romans chapter 12, there's one area that we will show best Christ's love. The best way to show Christ's love in our area, this one area in our lives is when we're in conflict. When someone actually wrongs us. Look at Romans chapter 12, verse 14. This is what he says. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Verse 17. Repay no evil, no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of God. There's no better way for you to show love to the, to the world, of, a Christ love to the world, than how you react when people wrong you. Everyone is nice until someone wronged them. And I want to point you to Jesus. Think about Jesus. Like, how did Jesus show his love to us? He did not just heal people. He did not just teach them good teaching. The ultimate sign of God's love for us is at the cross. And let me read to you in verse 14 again. How did Jesus react to the people who flocked him? How did Jesus respond to the people who persecute him? How did Jesus respond to the people who ultimately put the nail on his arms and his hands and his feet? And how did Jesus respond to the criminals who made fun of him, who was standing right next to him? Jesus did not retaliate. Jesus blessed those who killed him. Jesus did not curse them. Jesus did not repay them for evil. Jesus extend peace to them, even when it was dripping with blood, even when he was breathing his last. Jesus still prayed, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. That is not the type of love this world offers. And I wonder how many times as Christians we actually live with such forgiveness, live with such love. And when we use our screens, how often we retaliate, how often we, we, we get back at people and what they say on a post about us or about our faith. Do you know that many, many people in this world think of Christians are very angry people? That we're more ag- about againsting people than we're for people? Many people in this world think Christians are the, the most arrogant, the most annoying, the most narrow-minded people. On some level, I understand why, because we do hold to a one God, believe in one God. But on the other hand, many times it's how we react to people. I'll share with you a confession here. Um, two weeks ago, I was, again, at my kids' game, basketball game to have a game. There are these parents. You guys saw my post. You might know what I'm talking about. These helicopter parents, they were literally up to the line on the side of the court. There are bleachers that they're supposed to sit in. But they did not. They took out their phone. They're like, come on, Johnny, shoot the shot. And they're way up on the, on the sideline. And literally, I'm sit, sitting behind them. I'm like, can you please sit down? And then the ref, uh, the referee tell them to sit down. The organizer tell them to sit down. Two seconds later, they go back up, Johnny, take that shot. And they just keep going back up. And I got so fed up with it. You know what I did? Being a good pastor, I took out my phone. I went up to the sideline on, on the side of the court. I took a picture of them. And you know what I did after that? I posted online. I posted on Instagram. I posted on Instagram and said, helicopter parent. It's funny. No one feels bad. But guess what? This is exactly the opposite of what God calls us to do, isn't it? Those who are wrong us, what are we supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? 
to make a joke out of it and make fun of it? Or are we supposed to bless them? How we open up that door, are we inviting people in to experience Christ? I don't know if any of those parents read my post. Maybe some of them did. Am I really living a Christ-like life that they want to see? Wow, that's what a pastor should do. That's what a Christian should act like. Or am I adding fuel to the fire of what this world is offering? Not love. Retaliation, anger, and frustration. I want to end on this. I want to share with you a story that uh, my wife has shared with me. How your social media, your screens can actually lead people to experience Christ. Um, a couple of months back, my wife was at work, and she there's this mailman that comes through her office. And they talk all the time. And one day, uh, he shared with her that her, uh, his, wi- uh, his wife's sister, that means his sister-in-law, uh, had cancer. And so he was sharing with my wife and asking her uh, to uh, some questions about me- uh, medical stuff that they're going through with the procedure and all that stuff. And so eventually what led to was that uh, he gave uh, my wife his wife's phone number. And so his wife started texting with, with Hannah. And she's texting one of them with questions. And then through that, Hannah offered to pray for her. And then, of course, she, you know, his sister is going through such a uh, dire situation. And so uh, she said, oh, yeah, please pray for her. And in fact, she asked our home group to start praying for her. And so as a result of that, Hannah being in contact with her and texting with her, praying for her, offering, to, uh, assuring her that hey, we're praying for you. A couple, maybe a week or two weeks ago, um, his sister, uh, her sister got, in, um, got really close to dying. The condition was really bad and it was kind of one of those situations it doesn't turn it doesn't go turn better soon they were likely to, is going to lose her. And so we were praying Hannah sent out a text to our home group and through some of our, our people at our church and we start praying for her. And because of that by God's grace her life was spared. And this family have some religious background starting to believe and experience God's power in their lives. And here's the kicker. Hannah have never met in person his wife. All the interaction has been on just online through texting. None of them was done in person. But that technology, that screen, that opportunity was opened up. And she took it. And as a result of that, a family get to experience Christ's power in their lives. And today, that lady, that, that, uh, that sister is not completely cancer. I wish I could say that we'll continue to pray for her. But she's back at work. And they get to see God at work in their lives. We don't know where they're at in their heart with God. Have they received Christ or not? Hannah, I know better. But we pray that as they continue to experience Christ, that there are opportunities for you and I to do the exact same thing. The question is, are you going to open that door for people to come close to you, enough to you to see Christ in your life and my life, so that they can walk away knowing that who Christ is through how we live in our lives? So as we end, I want to give us one more challenge for the week. We did the last two. Here's the challenge for this week. It says, I want you to challenge to proactively use your social media, use your, your text, use your whatever that you have on your screen to go bless someone specifically each day this week. Starting today. 
maybe someone in your life that can hear a, an encouragement from you. Maybe you know someone that, hey, let's hang out. Let's go out for lunch. Maybe someone just needed a funny meme to laugh because you know they have a crappy week all week long. Do something specific to someone to bless them. Let's not be overcome by evil of this world, but overcome it with something good. Every day, make it a point to bless someone with your social media. Bless someone specific with, with a text. Bless someone with your email. Bless someone with a screen. Show them a video that will edify them and benefit them. And that's what I want to challenge you to do this last week. And I'm praying for us that we will continue to learn how best to leverage what God has given us a gift. Instead of using it for evil, let's leverage it for good.